Welcome to another episode of the Susan G. Coleman Pink Podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Young, and my co-host, Molly May. How are you doing in this rainy day today? Mm, it's so rainy, Miss Catherine. I'm yes. very tired of it, but yes. I'm good. Yes. I'm good other than that. We both have on our bright yellow today to combat the rainy and then the lack of sunshine outside. <laughs> right. So we bring sunshine to the day. Yes, ma'am. How about that? Well, in the prime of your life, living your best life is what most young people think about, like our guest today. When you're hit by a Mack truck with the words, you have cancer, it is totally devastating. About 4% of breast cancers occur in women younger than 40. However, breast cancer is the leading cause of cancer death among women ages 20 to 39. Genetics factors can put some women at higher risk of breast cancer. Women diagnosed younger than 40 may have BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene mutation. These gene mutations increase the risk of breast and ovarian cancer. Joining us today is Ms. Danielle. Williams. Hi, Ms. Williams. Hi, how are you guys? We're well, thank you. Good. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So, Danielle, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we're, we're just going to dive into um, and your whole entire life. Okay, great. <laughs> Sounds good. So, Danielle Williams, I'm originally from Phoenix, Arizona, but we've resided in Mississippi for 15 years now, so it's home. We go back to the West every year, but um, have a pretty large family. I think I'm number six out of 10 children. Mm. Um, never a dull moment growing up, for sure, but um, me and my husband and my baby girl, Sadie, we currently reside in Rankin County, and I'm an underwriter for Traveler's Insurance, and so, you know, just that's a, a little bit about me. Yeah, just um, normal. Everyday person. Everyday person. Yeah. Tell tell us about um, when you were initially diagnosed. Just take us through through that journey of what that day uh, uh, leading up to um, you have cancer looked like through your eyes. Yeah. So leading up to you have cancer. So I, like I said, I have a baby girl. Her name is Sadie Fiona. She'll be two in April. And at the time, I'll start with when I found my first lump. It was a pretty large lump. Um, and I was breastfeeding at the time. And so I think it was just three months old. I was still home, you know, off of work. Um, I think she was only like two months old. And I just felt this large mass. And so I was going to the doctor. And, you know, my OBGYN at the time was just like, we just think it's a blocked milk duct. You know, just do some hand compresses. Here's some antibiotic. And it should clear up. It never cleared up. And, <clears throat> um, going through my annual you know exams every year you know they knew my history my, my mom was also diagnosed with breast cancer two times she's a two-time survivor mm-hmm. but um so although in the back of my mind I was really really concerned um you know I just kind of shook it off and you know just continued to breastfeed and just hoped that it would go away but like I said it never did and so three months after that um I've started to feel a second lump and this time it was under my under my armpit and that just kind of I think right there is when my heart just kind of sank because before I even went to the doctor to have them look at it I looked at my mom and I was just like mom I just I don't feel right about this you know and she was like oh you'll just be fine you know just go see what they say and so I went in and at this time I hadn't had a I hadn't had a mammogram um at all and I went to the doctor. I remember I was just like, look, 
I need you to do something other than just filling it and telling me this is a block meal duck because it doesn't feel right. I was like, can you send me, you know, to get a mammogram today? And so she did. She was like, absolutely. And so she sent me across the street and they did an ultrasound. And I remember the doctor was just like, you know, we can't really tell what this is. So we want to do a biopsy. And they did the biopsy there. And I went by myself and I just remember just crying after um, they took the biopsy. It was just like, you know, because I was alone by myself and all these thoughts were just in my mind about, you know, I think I knew right then, like, this is this is it. You know, I just know that this is it. And so, you know, two to three days later, that's when I got the call. And they were like, you know, I'm, I'm just so sorry. This this is cancer. She told me over the phone. I've been seeing my OBGYN for 10 plus years. And so we became really close, you know, to the point where we can conversate over the phone and you know, I think we cried on the phone together at that time. And um, from there, it was, you know, I guess history. But, it, you know, in that moment, those words, you have cancer over the phone. I remember I was on my way leaving work <clears throat> to go pick up Sadie. And um, that's when I got the call. And I just pulled over to the side of the road and I just boohooed. And, you know, I think then I didn't really accept it at the moment I was just really just infuriated because you know I I wish I would have listened to myself three months prior to that and you know maybe it wouldn't have been the stage that it was um but yeah it I felt in that moment just defeat and afraid and you know what am I going to do and I think my next thought was God my baby needs me like Mm -hmm. I need to be here for my baby girl and I remember after I picked her up, I went home and I laid her down. And I'm I'm a woman of faith. My my dad's a pastor, and so we grew up in church my whole life. And so um, I just spoke to it. I was just like, "Cancer, you cannot have me. You can't have my body. My mm-hmm. baby girl needs me." And um, it felt as if Cancer was just like in the room, sitting on the couch, looking at me, and just like pointing a finger in my face, like, "Ha ha, you know, I got you." And I think that's when I was just like, "Absolutely not!" Like I got dogmatic, and was just like, "You cannot have me." And I didn't know what that looked like at the time, you know, as far as me fighting. Um, but I think then I was just like, "I'm going to beat this. I have to beat this," you know. Sadie girl needs me so that was what the moment was was like for me wow what an amazing uh, story it's so powerful yes and so much like um you know initially you shared molly about your faith and 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 how you rise above things and just the encouraging of yourself you have to be and i think it's super i think it's so moving in the way that, because I've always believed that words are such a powerful thing, in the way that you speak to yourself is mm-hmm. such a powerful thing. It's why yeah. people always tell tell you, be kind to yourself, be be mm-hmm. treat, I speak to you the way that your best friend would speak to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's um, such a testimony of resilience in that you you had that in, I mean, you, you let yourself be sad, mm-hmm. right, obviously, because yeah. it's a devastating thing to hear. Right. And then you said, mm-mm. It's not. We're not gonna. It's not gonna be me. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do this. And then you went home. And um, it, it, it's it's one of those things uh, um, that I also say um, that you don't really know how strong you are, and you don't really know what it means to fight so until it's the only option you've yeah. got. It's either I fight or I die. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I'm going to fight. Yeah. And you had a, just a beautiful little girl to do it yeah. as well. Yeah. So and it, I love that. I love yeah. the story of talking. Talking. Oh, I've never heard that before. It gave me chills. Yeah. Words in life are definitely, a, you know, lies in the power of our tongue. I believe that for sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that was a, a defining moment for me when um, you said you spoke to yourself and you spoke to that enemy that, mm-hmm. that was in the room mm. that looked like an elephant, yeah. you know, but you have the power within yourself to put that elephant under your feet. And, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you did. Although in the midst of um, knowing that this was something that, you know, had attacked your body it was still grounded in your faith that you will not be defeated by this and at 32 I mean 32 years old at the prime of your Mm -hmm. life and and just having you know um living life uh, you know to the fullest and then having your your daughter um how has that impact um you going forward um, knowing after this initial diagnosis um, here are all the things that that have impacted you throughout this whole journey Mm -hmm. and so going forward you know what did that journey look like? Because now you you've uh, you've spoken to um, you know this thing, and now um, you you're starting treatment. Yeah, I'm st- starting to go through it. So yeah, um, it was. Although <clears throat> I've had people tell me before, you know, I could be going through something, and they're like, I can never tell. You know, you just seem so strong. <laughs> you seem so strong, and you know, on the inside, I was I was crying. Like I was really afraid even though I had this urgency and you know like I was standing on this what I felt like solid ground I was still really afraid you know I'm a human so you know of course you know I was I was afraid of what the chemo would look like how I was going to feel what I have enough energy for my baby girl you know I didn't want her to see me you know down and out but um <clears throat> I kind of started this own like documentary uh, you know because I wanted I wanted to you know share my story because I knew you know I think deep down inside I knew that I was going to survive because I knew like I had I didn't have a choice at them you know like but um I started chemo I think it was January 21st and um I started my adromycin and that's you know a few weeks before that I I knew it was stage two um that it was in my lymph nodes and you know they kind of gave me the rundown of what treatment was going to look like and that was six months of chemo and um, than surgery and the chemo I think I was not prepared of you know what that process was going to be like I it was you know miserable just to say the least especially the first three months of it um, you know just sick all the time and, I, and during that process I think was my lowest point well one of my lowest points was I was almost through with my adriamycin chemo that I was on at the time and um, apparently my, you know, I guess, I don't know, I, I won't say that God was testing me to see how strong I could be or if, or if it was the enemy trying to say, hey, I got you again. But my appendix ruptured mm. um, during chemo and, you know, my counts were really low. Um, I was already sick, but I didn't know it ruptured at the time. So I spent, I just had chemo on a Friday sometime in March. I spent the whole weekend, you know, um, constipation or one of the side effects of chemo so I just thought I was stopped up Mm -hmm. like I just can't go so I think I did everything you know known to man to treat what I thought was constipation at the time um and it was just wasn't getting better and I remember the Monday after 
um, after that, three days after, my mom, you know, she, like I said, she, she went through this twice, so she knew what the process looked like, and so she was staying with me and helping with me, and that Monday, I was just like, Mom, just go home, I'll be fine, you know, just not feeling well, but I'm sure I can shake it, you know, chemo already has you feeling like, you know, like crap, so I just thought, hey, I'm just feeling horrible. Anyway, so she came over, touched my head, and I thank God for the Holy Spirit that led her to just stand there at the front door and just look at me and she was just like you just don't look right she touched my head and she was like we need to go to the er now i don't know what made her you know gave her that feeling we need to go to the er and so we went to the er and about an hour in i was getting an emergency epidectomy and the, the surgeon was like girl had you waited one more hour you would have been like completely septic and you wouldn't have made it and i was just like i, I know i'm sitting here listening and like, thinking you lasted three days three days yeah <laughs> just getting just backed up with all this gunk and um yeah so that was that was just another you know moment was just like oh you know like god you know god definitely spared me that time and it, it was another moment of you know I got to, you know, push through this, even though I spent 10 days in ICU and then, uh, you know, a few more days in the hospital recovering. I, I got home and I think in the hospital after I made it through surgery, um, Dr. Murphy was his name. He was like, I've never seen anyone's gut as, much, as messed up as yours. And in that moment, I was just like, God, you know, I, I'm going to make it my duty to, you know, just tell of your goodness and tell how, how you kept me, how you spared me, because... You know, had I just sat around, you know, I, I wouldn't have made it through the end of Monday that day. And, you know, I joked around. I was like, Ma, how funny would it have been had I, you know, not made it through an epidectomy and, you know, versus <laughs> versus my, you know, <laughs> cancer treatment. <laughs> you know, I had to make light of the situation, <laughs> um, you know. But in the end, I was just really afraid of how close to death I was. But, um, you know, I, I pushed through that. And, and then it was, you know, surgery after surgery, which... You know, it was a double mastectomy, and then, you know, I tested positive for the BRC1 gene, hmm. and which led to me having to do a, a his, hysterectomy, which that was the other low, low moment for me, because mm -hmm. I just started a family. Um, I come from a family of 10, so you guys know I have a big family, mm -hmm. and never expected to see myself having an only child. Um, so I more than anything, I get teared up just thinking about it. And I, I think still this day that I haven't really processed it as much as I probably should have. But um, I think that was the moment that I felt like that was the only thing that cancer really sort of took, took from yeah. me. Um, because at that moment, I felt foreign. I didn't feel like myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like everything that made me a woman was being taken from me, mm -hmm. you know, down to my breast to my ovaries. And it was a hard process. But I think through it all... Um, like I said, Sadie, I think was the light in my darkness. And mm -hmm. I don't think it was all dark. I had dark moments, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, she was, you know, the foundation through, through it all. But yeah, that's kind of what my process looked like. Sorry for getting teared up. I told no. myself I wasn't going to cry, but. <laughs> no, it's a yeah. grief. 
It's a grave. It like you're you're it losing is. you're losing your physical body, mm-hmm. right? You're losing a part of your sexuality. Mm-hmm. You're losing the option to physically yeah. procreate, mm-hmm. right? And especially coming from because I'm an only child, right? Yeah. So I don't know what it comes from or what it's like to come from a giant family, mm-hmm. right? But so but I think because I don't come from a giant family, I want one, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you come from one, so you yeah. wanted one, right? And that's hard. It's a grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's grief. You have to mourn it just like you would the death of um which i'm currently learning right now it's yeah i mean it's like you're mourning the death of a dream of mm-hmm. the family that you had always envisioned have, no yeah. you tear up all you want yeah. girl. <laughs> yes. and i think a lot of our listeners can resonate um with the fact of your when you say not feeling like a woman because um, a lot of times we, as we go out um, and educate the community, we hear a lot of women who have a fear factor for uh, even going to the doctor because of that. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm diagnosed with cancer, then um, you know I'm not going to be a woman because they're, they're going to take my breast, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and that was or is a defining point for most women that define them are their breast and of course their ability to uh, to have children. Mm-hmm. But um, you know. In the midst of it all, you know, your life um, is a is is definitely a gift, yeah. and you know, trading that off. I wouldn't say trading it off. Maybe I'm using the wrong word, but um, that that part of you is 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 maybe taken away, but it still is something that you have your life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, tell someone else mm-hmm. or, or other women, you know, that, well, I, I lost my breast, but it's not, not yeah. so bad because I'm still here so and here. I can still Absolutely. talk about, yeah. you know, my daughter mm-hmm. and um, the, and I can still live yeah. a full, so many healthy, fruitful life. You make up a woman versus, you know, just the physical attributes. And I had to learn that, <laughs> you know, through this process, even though, you know, I felt foreign going through it, you know, looking down at her, I'm just like, you know, I'm still a woman. I'm still a wife you know um you know i'm still me i'm still me i may be altered to, to a little degree but you know um god made me you know perfect and you know the inner me so i think that's what matters me being here me being alive like you said mm-hmm. you know defeats you know over overstates all that all that other stuff oh, for sure my breasts are just an accessory yeah. Yeah. yes <laughs> they're just they're just yeah. there mm-hmm. most yeah. definitely um, so th- tell us a little bit about um, yeah, little girl Sadie. So we've heard a lot about Sadie. Yeah. Um, and, and so some happy. Yeah. Points. So as you can see, I, I light up every time I bring up Sadie. But she she's a busy, talkative, very intuitive little girl. <laughs> she, um, I, my mom was just like, I don't know where she came from, but she couldn't have came from <laughs> from you and Richard, which is my husband's name, but. She's, she was just like, because I, I remember me growing up as a child, I was always just, you know, reserved, you know, quiet type, even with, uh, you know, 10 siblings, obviously. I think I was the quietest one. <laughs> but um, Sadie's not. She's so full of life. She can have a conversation with you at, at two, even though she, you know, you might not understand what she's saying, but, you know, she's she going to talk to you. She's going to talk to you mm-hmm. for sure. But she's so fun. And, you know, throughout all the days that I can remember, like, <clears throat> just feeling so bad um you know she would come over and play with me and you know immediately like I got a burst of energy like she definitely kept me going if it wasn't for Sadie I don't think that I would have made it through with 
you know, the joy that I had on those good days, honestly, and bad days too. Um, but yeah, she's just such a full of life. Yeah, full of life. That's amazing. Yeah. And so you shared about support system. Yeah. And how important it is to, of course, Very have a support important. system. And I know, Molly, your mom is such a support to mm-hmm. you. And I know you mentioned mm-hmm. your mom um, yeah. as a support system. So how do you both um, view your healing process and how important your support system is to that? Um, so the healing process, um, I think my mom with me went with me to every treatment, um, you know, down to my family, to my work. I, I think God positioned me to be in such the perfect taste place at the perfect time to go through this. Um, but support team is most definitely needed, you know, you know, on those really, really bad days. And I'm sure you can attest to this when you just, you know, need someone to hold your hand and whether it just be crying through it to, mm-hmm. you know, get you through the day. But um, it's it's really important. Um and had not it been for my coworkers at work, I remember mm-hmm. them just sending me flowers and, you know, me taking a month off work if, if mm-hmm. I needed to. And um, to even just come do this and just talk about the importance of, you know, all those things that I mentioned and early detection and all that stuff is, you know, it was, great. it was really comforting to me to have someone to speak to that understood. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, for example, I... Like after I got the implants, and even just now, yeah. um, I, I, you can, I, I can ask you this as well. There's this. Um, I don't have any kind of like feeling. There is no nerve anymore, mm-hmm. but it will still itch yeah. from the inside, and you can't do anything about it. Nope. And you just have to deal with the itch. Nope. And yeah. so I remember the first time my mom <laughs> asked me. She said, "Do you ever have to deal with that?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yes, yeah. I do." It's not just me. Do you yeah. have to deal with that? And she's yeah. like, "Yes, all the time." And it's something so small, yeah. but it made me not feel so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Weird. I guess weird like this it. is what yeah. my body does, mm-hmm. right? But this is what other women's bodies yeah. do. Too. Yeah. It was a wonderful thing mm-hmm. even though it was very small and very post yeah it, I really yeah, enjoyed having fun. that so yeah. it was it was good to to do that and um, it also is really special when it comes from your mom yeah I mean it's because you looked I mean it's your mother you look right. to your mother for a lot of things growing mm-hmm. up just as a small child and just as a, a girl and then it translates into a woman but when it comes to something like this mm-hmm. um, especially in the, when you're looking to them for uh, spiritual guidance as yeah. well, like how do how do you how did you do this, yeah. right? Because my mom my mom had um, two single mastectomies and then a hysterectomy, oh. and um, I to this day I still don't know how she did it. Yeah. Like I just I just don't I don't mm-hmm. know how you did it. Like mm-hmm. I I struggled at 19, but there's no way I could have done it and raised a child mm-hmm. at the same time. And yeah. that's just a whole different level of resilience yeah. that I will never I will never have. And it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, no, I definitely agree. Yeah. Having my mom, you know, her her experience definitely prepped me to, you know, expect some things that I probably wouldn't have known to expect and prepare in mm-hmm. ways that I probably, you know, wouldn't have known to prepare had not not had her. So mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And just um, our last two episodes, we talked about um uh, Understanding your pathology report, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and this is maybe way off. But uh, do you remember if you looked at your pathology report or or ex questions <laughs> and and say, well, hey, well, what is this? What does stage two mean? Yeah. Um, what does it mean to be BRCA, you know, one positive, or yeah. or what grade is my? Mm-hmm. Was that an interest for you? Um, I think it was starting off. Um, 
and I think uh, it got to a certain point where it's just like these are just way too big of words that I just don't think I'll ever understand <laughs> I think what was important to me was like okay what stage is it okay what's the treatment gonna look like and what you know, comes next I'm very like what comes next I'm very like you know I'm total type A like I plan everything out and you know so it was just more like okay these are the steps okay and this is the end I was just trying to get to this end point and you know all that other stuff was just kind of didn't really matter to me I think you know um because people would ask me were you her to this or her to that I'm just like I don't know I know it's stage one and this is the treatment and look this is the last day of chemo and then I'm done and so I think that was you know that was that was really it I think I looked at that report maybe once and then chunked it in the corner somewhere to be honest you're here. Yeah, I'm here. We're just going <laughs> to... I probably should have, you know, done some research and, you know, figured it out. But um, I think the important thing was, you know, the BRCA gene one, because, you know, my other sisters and then, you know, my daughter, you know, just seeing what that looked like and making sure other people, other women around my age, you know, knows the important signs of, you know, just early detection and knowing your body and being an advocate for yourself because had I not been, I would have just been thinking I had a blocked milk duck and, you know. Uh, well, that brings it back to another just wonderful question, being an advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because we've learned that um, a lot of women, um, of course, uh, and, and I can say a lot of uh, African-American women are um, somewhat shy of asking their physicians different things for the fear of um, because they are a medical professional the whole medical terminology um, feels somewhat inferior to them so to be able to be an advocate um, for yourself uh, not necessarily means that you have to you know, know all of these medical terminologies, mm -hmm. but you are persistent, yeah. and that's part of being an advocate mm -hmm. is being persistent and knowing knowing your body better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. You're you're the person that essentially is in your body, so anything that's going um, wrong or, or looks or feel different, you know about it, yeah. and just being that persistent person to continue to go back to your doctor and say well, hey, we've tried this and it's still there and this is not working. Mm -hmm. And to that end, you were essentially probably diagnosed earlier versus continuing not to be mm -hmm. that advocate and just sitting back waiting to see mm -hmm. what if. Definitely, yeah, for sure. And um, it was kind of scary once I got the news just because looking back now, when I first felt the first lump, like I said, it was pretty large and just only three months after that, I got a second lump. So it just let me know like this was, this was progressing, it's progressing really yeah. quickly. And I was just kind of, you know, a little upset and, you know, they're human too. You know, our doctors are human. And so, you know, they, they're not God, they don't know everything, you know, so that's why it's so important to know your own body and, you know, whether you have a family history or not, you know, always check your breasts. Be familiar with your own body. Be familiar and with your own if, body. If, Love if, that. Right. If, if anything feels foreign, even if it's nothing, you know. Know what your regular is so yep. that you can know when so something you can feels foreign. When yeah. something's off. So yeah. I just I just thank God for, you know, for pushing me to do that for myself, for sure. Most definitely. Because mm -hmm. we, you know, younger people, I'm older than both of you all, but... <clears throat> 
um, when I was young, um, <laughs> I would always get, well, you're too young for this and yeah. you're too young for that. Yeah, and that's you know? what they told me. I like, you know, I couldn't get a mammogram because I wasn't 35 yet, even though I had a you know family history. My, my mom was diagnosed. I lost two aunts. Her, She's the only living of her sisters mm. um, due to cancer. So, you know, I, w- I would think that. I would think it would qualify Something would have qualified yeah. me, but, you know, it didn't. So because of age. So, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. You know, we can sometimes as, you know, younger adults just, you know, brush it off because we're, t- you know, busy living life and thinking right. we're healthy because we feel good. I and felt we're fine. You know, we're young. I like, felt completely fine. You know, I, I wasn't feeling ill or anything at all. You know, I was full of life. I just had a baby. The only, I mean, besides being sleep deprived from having a six month old, yeah, you know, right. I, I was I was feeling quite normal. Yeah, definitely. Um, and to to you know younger people that that are listening, um, when you hear the words that you're too young to get a mammogram or uh, your insurance, you know, will not cover because because of your age. Mm-hmm. If you have a family history, then again, be proactive and be an advocate for mm-hmm. your own health. Um, sometimes it takes us, you know, to petition and appeal mm-hmm. um, insurance mm-hmm. policies. Um, and also look at our doctors and, um, you know, have that real defining conversation. And sometimes it takes ch- changing doctors. Changing doctors, um, yeah. If it leads to that. And so part of what um, um, our group, um, Susan G. Coleman and the Mississippi Collaborative Group on Breast Cancer Disparity, is to look at systemic um, changes and how we can educate um, some of our um, physicians um, to look at individuals um, and not just think of uh, looking at age and looking outside normal. Because sometimes, um, you know, we're seeing more younger women are being diagnosed um, with breast cancer. And no, not all young people will develop breast cancer, but each case and each individual is different and each individual person should be treated um, as that individual and look at their complete history um, before um, making, you know, definitive decisions. So I think that is just one, you know, just a wonderful thing, uh, a continue to be an advocate yeah. for yourself. So important. So important. Um, so I think for our last, we're getting um, to the end of our um, podcast. But is there um, anything else that you would like to tell our listeners um, as far as side effects? Because uh, this program is a program that educates the community. We have survivors that are listening and still have some burning, defining questions that that can resonate with them. Mm-hmm. Or you know, what do you see? Um, has been one of the most um, difficult things that you have encountered going through this journey? I think the most difficult part through the journey was um, was definitely the chemo. I think that was mm-hmm. worse than the two surgeries. Um, and I I would just say, you know, find what works for you, what, what might be, you know, helpful to someone else, might not be as helpful to you such as you know I'm an eater even though I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little video thing um I you know it was hard for me to find you know the right food to eat and you know maintain my weight so um you know some people you know suggested eat spicy foods to you know see if you can get it down and that just um that didn't work for me you know I I resorted to like protein shakes and stuff like that that was a little more smoother to you know to get the you know food down and 
you know, still be healthy. But also, you know, as, as far as side effects with chemo, listen to your body. Um, and I just say that just through this appendix thing that I had right in the middle of it. You know, if something seems abnormal, it most likely probably is. And so just go get it checked out. Better safe than sorry because, you know, your, your counselor, your immune system is not as strong as it, you know, as mm-hmm. it normally is. So go to the doctor. Don't just sit around and, and feel horrible. Um, that I think is the biggest take that I got from my process, you know, you know, me trying to be strong and like this superhero woman, <laughs> you know, let me into I see you for 10 days. So, you know, just be careful and <laughs> listen to your body and do the right things. So, yeah. Well, this has been wonderful talking to Miss Danielle Williams today. Uh, a young, powerful um, breast cancer survivor, mom, wife, um, the whole nine yards. Just yeah. an awesome person. And looking across oh, from thanks. you, um, you you couldn't tell that you have gone down this journey. So um, it has been wonderful talking to you. Has, thank it. you so much of for course, sharing this. For just me. Very personal, intimate story. Thank you. We appreciate it. Of course, of course. Also, if you would like to sign up for the Mid, uh, Memphis Mid-South, or the Jackson, rather, 5K race, it's going to be held on April the 25th, which is the perfect date. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. Um, so please come and set up a team and be a part of our race for the cure. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Susan G. Coleman Memphis Mid-South Mississippi Pink Podcast. This podcast is proudly sponsored by the D.L. Dykes Jr. Foundation, producers of Faith and Reason. Learn more about their work at www.faithandreason.org. To sponsor or donate to Susan G. Coleman or the Pink Podcast, visit us on the web at www.comanmemphismms.org.